Okay, I need you to be brave and bold. I'm asking everybody to vote. No people leaving their hands down. I'm gonna give you a few scenarios uh, that you have to vote on. An either or scenario, you actually have to vote on this. I need to see those of you, I'm, we're gonna do beach versus mountains. You only get one choice, so don't mess this up. All right? How many are beach people in here? Beach people. Oh my gosh. I don't, I've, I've, I've discipled the wrong church. Okay. All right. Where are my mountains people? All right. Well, there's a few. Okay. All right. That was good. All right. We got a full room. Okay. Um, now, I'm going to give you nature, animal kingdom, animal life versus telescope. Heavens, people. Yeah. I'm just making this so hard on you already. All right. So, all right. So, nature, animals, people. Yes. Okay. Amazing. Looking across the room. Okay. Then telescopes, heavens, stars, people. Yes. Okay. Good. I, I should, it'd be interesting to see if the beach people are also the animal people. I don't know. I don't know how this is work. All right. And then last one. Uh, you're going to either be floating on a lazy river, chilling at the lake, people, or you're going to be like hiking, rock climbing, skydiving people. One of those, okay? All right, who are my floating on a lazy river, chilling at the lake people, okay? <laughs> All right, and then who are my hiking, rock climbing, skydiving people? That's good. It's amazing. Yeah, which one? Some of y'all voted twice, I feel like. You're cheaters. The Lord sees you. Here's what I know beyond a shadow of a doubt. People love to be in nature. We get a chance to step into it. You know, it's like if it's not too hot, can we get outside and be in it? And what's amazing is that it's universal. It's uh, across the spectrum of humanity, the uh, ability to go out and be out in nature in some way and see it and enjoy it is common to every one of us in some way. We thank God for AC, but right, as soon as God turns the temperature down, we go out. It's amazing. But even when it's warm, creation really is unreal. In a couple of months, this city will be unreal. The end of October, I've never seen anything like it. Now, granted, I grew up in West Texas, so uh, there's not much there. So I'm still six years in, undone what's going to happen in October to the leaves. It's, it's an unbelievable sight to see. It's fascinating. There, this is no accident how this world was, is made up, how it's created. It's not an accident. God has designed this thing. It's fascinating. It's breathtaking. It's magnificent. And it's intentional. And we get a chance to experience it when, if and when we pause. And that's what we're going to get to do. We're going to dive into the Word today. And as we get into Psalm 19, we're going to take these first six, seven, verse, verse one through six, and we're going to see the glory of God revealed in nature. And then we're going to get to come down and verses 7 through 11, see the glory of God revealed in the word. And then chapters 12 through, or verses 12 through 16, we're going to get to just treasure it in a way that changes us from the inside out. And that's what, how David wrote this incredible 
song, and it is fascinating. It is unbelievable for us to be able to take it in. In fact, C.S. Lewis, one of the uh, on our notes, uh, the C.S. Lewis says a true. Uh, literally, he says uh, Psalm 19 is the greatest poem in the Psalter and one of the greatest lyrics in the world. That was his perspective on this particular psalm and what it gets a chance to do uh, in our hearts. And from the way the 16th century theologian uh, and reformer John Calvin put it, he said, from, from nature we would know the hands and feet of God, but from scripture we may know his very heart. So we get to take these two pieces this morning and ask God to do something to change us. Why these two places? Why are these two important? Because these are two safe places that won't ever lie to you. When you get to actually come into and look at the heavens and you get to look at the word of God, they will forever be declaring the glory of God in ways that are always be faithful and true. You see, with mankind, you gotta do a discernment with motives, right? Because we've been broken in sin. And even certainly creation has experienced that same brokenness. But when we look at the skies above and we get to step back and see the beauty of nature, we get to look at his word, we get to find these two places that'll be safe for us to experience the grandeur and the beauty of God. So that's what he begins with. Let's look at the power of how God has designed this creation. Psalm 19 says, verse one, the heavens declare the glory of God. The heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Psalm 19, verse two. Day to day pours out speech and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no such, no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. I love this picture here, uh, pours forth speech, praise, not hints, not whispers, but shouts, declarations of supremacy and splendor. The word actually poured forth, it's actually a Kind of a violent picture. If you've ever like boiled, you know, ever been boiling water before and it starts spilling out, it can't help but come out of the pot. That's what's this picture here that creation is literally boiling over with the greatness and the grandeur and the beauty and the majesty of God. It can't be held back. It's pointing to its maker in a way that changes us. Scientists will try to tell you that all of this somehow came to be by some mysterious bang. And what they'll do is they'll just say, we're going to give it billions of years to try to explain it. But I guarantee you this. Scientists and pastors are alike will ask you to take a leap of faith in believing where this earth, this universe came from. Everyone's asking you to take a leap of faith. 
And God is saying, will you trust and look at the heavens and see this thing was made for my glory? Be fascinated and undone with me. Here's what I love about God. The constancy of the invitation towards fascination with him. That's unbelievable. I am so sad that oftentimes Christianity is reduced down to do this and don't do this. When over and over and over in the scriptures, there's an imploring from God, see the majesty of my hand and see the majesty of my heart. See it in nature and then see it in my word. And that's the invitation. You really can't walk around the face of this earth and go to the beautiful places that we all like to try to go to, whether it's your backyard or the Grand Canyon, to see that God has designed this earth for himself, for his glory, and he put us, his people, who bear his image in the middle of it. He's wanting to share something with us through creation. It's pouring forth speech. It's exclaiming and declaring and releasing and revealing the hand and the brilliance of the creator. There's no momentary melody. It's an ongoing, incessant, ceaseless disclosure of the power and the splendor of God. Every twinkle in the star everything that you get to observe, every bolt of lightning, burst of thunder, it's a, it's a declaration. Now, how many of you have ever thunderstorms rolling through and you see the lightning off in the distance and it's really amazing? And you're like seeing stripes across the sky and it's fascinating and it's really amazing until it happens right over your house. And then you're like, I, did I just go to the bathroom? Like, I just, you're like, I'm just holding. I, you, do you feel, hey, you feel the weight of it? When you have the flash of light and it cracks and it feels like that was on top of our house. Just, we, we love you, Lord. <laughs> Want to serve you for the rest of our lives, right? You feel the weight of the thunder. It's unbelievable. It's a declaration of the power and the presence of the God of the universe. It's inviting us into something to be able to experience what he has. I universally have prayed on a regular basis. I say it out loud to my kids. I'm, I feel quite certain they roll their eyes at some point because I say it often, but I just never want to get used to the landscape, especially, you know, we moved here and it's just so different from where we came from and it's hills and trees and I just never want to. I've just asked God, please never let me get used to this. Um, but the truth is, even like where we're from, which is flat, it's the desert basically. Uh, it has some of the most amazing sunsets. You can be in some ugly places, but you can see the glory of God in it. It's the most amazing sunsets. You guys saw the end of Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. They're riding off into the sunset. There's like four of you that have seen that movie, right? It's so, so old. But that movie came out, whatever, in the 90s, but they're riding off into the sunset at the end. That was filmed an hour from where I grew up. 
Yeah, <laughs> there's some redeeming value out there by the grace of God. It's amazing. It doesn't really matter where you are. You get to look up and actually be invited in creation to see majesty. But it's not just majesty of creation. It's majesty of God. Psalm 19.4, verse 6 says, their voice is going throughout all the earth and their words to the end of the world. In him he has sent a tent for the sun which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber and like a strong man runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens and its circuit to the end of them. And there's nothing hidden from its heat. And I think it's so important because here's the goodness. You want to know the goodness of God? We get to sing about the goodness of God. Here's what he's saying. God's shouting through creation to the ends of the earth. No one's getting left out. He's declaring, see me and come into my family. You are broken apart from me. Sin stole what you and I were always meant to have. And God's declaring through creation, come be with me and my family. It's nightly proclaiming, I'm beautiful and glorious. Will you come and be with me? See the, we get to see the creation exists not as an end in itself, as, but as something that's pointing to the creator creation shouting, God is glorious. Don't miss this thing. I think it's sad at times in the midst of our industry, if you will, of busyness, of accomplishment, of doing things. It's easy to miss this ironclad, beautiful way for the world to be able to see the majesty of God. And so there's a pause here, an invitation for us to remember, to see it to treasure the God of the creation. I, I think it's important to see here, David or, the, you know, the, the psalmist, David, he's, he's happy to personify nature, but he's not deifying it. He's not lifting it up as the source, as often can happen. Nature is not God. It's God's handiwork. Creation doesn't exist to proclaim creation's praise, but the praise of the creator. We, uh, my, my, our family, my wife and I, we've, we've lived in three different homes in our 18-year marriage. I've shared maybe this before. It's been a little while, but uh, each and every uh, home that we purchased was a dumpster fire. We just found, and here's what would happen. Every time my wife would see a house and she go, this house is amazing. And I'd say, that house is an abomination unto the Lord. What are you talking about? And she'd say, and I think this is, no, it's got good bones, whatever that means. And here's what would happen. We'd buy these homes because we could afford them. And we'd get into them. And then the creator would go to work. So I can, you can ask my family. I listen, I love going on vacations. Awesome going to all the places. My favorite place is always to be in our home. You know why? Because it's become a creation that I couldn't see. 
I couldn't imagine it, couldn't envision it. I didn't have vision for it. I had the dollars for the dumpster fire. I didn't have the vision for it, but my wife had the vision. So she gets to come in and she gets to see and create and do all these things. And it takes some work and it takes some effort. But when we step back from it, all of a sudden I'm going, this is unbelievable. You know what gets the glory? It's nice to sit in the living room, but that living room was awful until the creator got to come in and breathe life in it. The creation exists to honor the creator. That's what this world is calling every one of us to, is to be able to step back and see the majesty of the creator. The universe is wondrous, but it's the work of his hands. That's the truth. That's what this passage is saying. Creator doesn't get to be contained inside of the creation. He exists outside of it, and he created, created it with intent and design. We get to see the sovereign Lord who shaped it. I love the way that uh, one of my favorite pastors says he makes a distinction in his book, The Pleasures of God, which is an unbelievable book. If you've never read it by John Piper, he says, the glory of creation and the glory of God are as different as the love poem and the love, the painting and the landscape, the ring and the marriage. It would be a great folly and a great tragedy if man loved his wedding band more than he loved his bride. There's a reason this beautiful, amazing, incredible world exists it's just meant to, on the regular, keep pointing us into the heart of the creator who's inviting us to come. That's the aim of declaring or speaking or sharing, as David is, the glory that is experienced when we take time to look at the heavens above. So how do we properly take the opportunity to let this come in and have its way in our heart in real practical, meaningful ways? Number one, if, you know, when you go to a place where it's some other place, take, just take a moment to drink it in. To just, when you leave your house and you're headed to another place, take an opportunity just to say, God, you're beautiful and good. I think we get to do that in springs and falls and summers and winters in all kinds of different ways, whether it's the snowflake or the turning leaf, whether it's the waterfall, which happens here. It's like there's like seven waterfalls within an hour and a half of this place. They're unbelievable. They're beautiful. Take the opportunity to explore and just say thank you. Go outside and walk on the grass. I don't know if you ever do that. Actually, I think they say there's actually some health benefits to doing it, but just going outside and walking on the grass. We always joke because um, we came from West Texas, and so if you went outside barefoot, you were coming back in with a sticker burr, promise you. But it doesn't exist here, not near as much. So go outside, see the hills, trees, stars, rainbows. This place has an unbelievable amount of rainbows. See it, behold it, take it in. Sit on the porch or in a window. Leave your phone for just a moment. Watch the birds and clouds and 
and just see how God is revealing his goodness. It's worth pausing for a moment to be fascinated with the God of the universe who made this beautiful place. And when you're done with that, we get to go inside and feast on the word. And I, that's the brilliance of this song. He just outlines it. He doesn't, even, right, he doesn't even give a really pretty literary transition. He just said, uh, creation is declaring the greatness of God. And then he says, and the word is too. He starts in verse 7. He's going to give us six ways that we get to see how God moves us through his word. Six ways the word moves us and he touches us and changes us and wows us and stirs us for the things of God. He says, well, number one, it's going to revive our soul. Revive our soul. Psalm 19.7 says, the law of the Lord is perfect. Reviving the soul. When we talk about, when we say the law of the Lord is perfect, what we're saying is his ways and his thoughts and his designs and his decrees and his commands and his promises, his declarations. We say the law, we're not necessarily talking just rules and regulations. We're saying your way, who you are, the way that you think, what you declare, what you say, what your promises are, all of it. It's perfect. The law of the Lord is perfect. It does it perfectly. There's no defect in it in any way, shape, or form. It's not lacking in any way. Whatever's needed to address the circumstances of your life, my life, as we go throughout all kinds of different challenges, it is perfect. It never fails. And the point of it, hear this, is to revive the soul. How amazing is that? The point of the perfection of the word of God, the Bible you hold in your hands, the scriptures that we get to open up to, the point of it is to, to give us a breath for a moment, to be revived, take something in, to refresh and to renew and to remind us that the pleasures of trusting and walking with and obeying God are richer and greater than all the other invitations to find delight somewhere else. And he says he gives wisdom for the walk that we're walking in. So it's perfect. It's calling us to be revived. Then it gives us wisdom. It says, verse 7, the testimony of the Lord is sure making wise the simple. Testimony is sure, which is effectively a way to say that it's true in principle and it's verifiable, hear this, in life situations, in real life moments. Not theoretical out there, but real brass tacks down to earth where the rubber meets the road. The Bible takes the under undiscerning and naive and gullible, and it actually makes it wise. Amen. We got like another preacher up in here. Skies declaring the glory of God. And the phones. The phones are declaring the glory of God, too. Oh, I hate it when that happens. You're all right. I, hey, listen, 
just be glad it's the scripture and not Taylor Swift. And that would just get real weird. All right. I mean, because it's possible. All right. I'm grateful that um, here's what the, the word of God says is, uh, I'll take you where you feel undiscerning or where you feel confused or where you feel unsure and I'm going to make, uh, my wisdom makes it simple. Actually, is what's so amazing about God is you and I can be facing some of the most complex realities and situations. God's word is beautiful and it makes wise the simple. Effectively, he's saying, I get wisdom and I bring it straight to you. That whoever gets immersed in the word of God actually gets equipped to wisely operate even when there's no explicit direction found in the word. How many of you know we, we all face all kinds of circumstances where we're not entirely sure how, what the word might say. And so we're just, we're opening up like, how, how do I, this circumstance, the Bible doesn't really speak to this circumstance. I'm not sure about this circumstance. I'm telling you, when we open our, our hearts to the power, the fullness of the word, all of a sudden, wisdom gets to just descend and it makes wise the simple. It gives joy to our hearts, Psalm 19, 8. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. Why rejoicing? Because God's ways are just never wrong. He's never wrong. You can always rely on the Lord to provide truth and accuracy. And we get to experience joy. How about you? Listen, I don't know anybody that doesn't love to be right. Everybody likes to be right. And there's beautiful, there's one beautiful, fully right one. And when we come to the right one, he begins to take, change, and transform the way that we think, say, speak in all the circumstances of life. And all of the sudden, you and I get to step into what is right, not because we've discovered it, created it, made it, but because it's been revealed through the heart of the Father to us. So if you found your heart is frustrated or sour or embittered, or you could use joy in some way, the word is the place to go to be able to meditate and to allow it to melt, wash over us. If you found yourself sinking, sad, broken, the word is the place where we get to come and say, oh, Lord, what is right and what is true? I'm going to tell you, and we have say this here often, but it's so important. What the Lord says to you about himself and about you is the most important thing that you'll ever have or do. The Lord's word over you is the most important thing about you. What he has to say to you, when we open up our ears to it, it changes us. It opens our spiritual eyes. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. Right? The word pure can literally be rendered radiant. That God's commands, they shine, they shimmer, they glow. They're brilliant and bright. They dispel darkness and ignorance and senseless, broken, goofy advice that exists on this earth. 
And this is what I actually love. This is where we get to just peer into this thing that God does with his word and the spirit of God, where the spirit of God comes and takes the word of God and begins to open up our eyes in a way. I'm certain that there are many of you in here that have read a text in the Bible. You've read the scripture before a hundred times, and on the hundred and first time, lightning happens. This is the Holy Spirit of God taking the word of God and making it alive to you and me. And changing the moment, changing the atmosphere, opening our spiritual eyes to begin to see the work of the Spirit and the work of the Word, they go hand in hand to bring revelation to our heart. It reveals truth that you and I can lean on. The fear of the Lord is clean. Man, what an amazing way to put that. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. David has in mind that the fear of the Lord that the word of God produces in us actually makes us clean, clothes us in his righteousness, both in its, just in its essence and in its impact. That's what the word of God does when we open it up. It just gets to wash over us and create something fresh. When we come into an awe of the king of the universe in his word, it has its way of washing us. God's word doesn't change with the seasons or with fashions or fads. All right, listen, there's one thing that will stand the test of time, all right? Because you've all been duped at some point in time into the parachute pants <laughs> or the whatever. Listen, that's fine. But listen, the word of the Lord never changes. It is faithful all the way to the end. It's clean. It endures forever. It is the one safe place in this entire universe. Nothing is like it across the spectrum of all creation. His word endures. And then he finishes by just wrapping us in righteousness. He wraps us in righteousness. Psalm 19.9. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. I don't know if you've ever been slimed by someone trying to sell you a bill of goods, trying to impart maybe their wisdom to your life, but not the wisdom of the Father. The heart of the Lord brings his righteousness, what God says in his word. It's never false. It's never off the mark. He is the only barometer for all of reality. And so that you and I don't ever have to live in doubt. We don't have to live in hesitation. It doesn't mean that we don't wrestle or deal with doubts as they come in our lives. But what it means is we have something faithful to be able to come to. And as we come into it, it washes us and cleans us. And he gives us his righteousness. It's imparted through the treasuring, the eating, the drinking of his word. And so it rewards us, it 
restores our soul, gives us wisdom, joy for the heart, light for the eyes, truth that we can count on, provision of righteousness. This is what the word does. We have nature above and the word below, all creating an opportunity for us to be invited into deeper places with the Lord. And that's how he finishes. This is how he finishes this morning's where we'll finish. 1910 through 1410. More to be desired are they than gold. Here it is. Now this is true. More to be desired are they than gold. Even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable or pleasing in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. That's, there's the invitation. From the skies above and the word below, let the power of the glory of God change and transform us. Have its way, have its mark. That's the challenge, right? That's the challenge that's before us is not just to do, hear this, not just to do what God says. Please hear this. Our God is not a God who's saying, you better do what I tell you to do. He's not just inviting us to be robots who accomplish tasks on his behalf. It's not just doing, but it's seeing that he is good. It's not just doing what God says. It's also knowing and treasuring that God is is good. The challenge is not to just pursue righteousness, but to actually enjoy and treasure and prefer righteousness. Challenge is to be able to get up in the morning, or maybe you're an evening person, but to get a chance to open the scripture until we experience joy, to come to it believing. Hear this to come to it believing that it will give to us exactly what David was writing in this song. That it has hope for you and it has life for you and it has truth for you and it has wisdom for you and it has life to be able to offer. And that we get to believe in the precious, beautiful, faithful promises of God. And that's what we want. I'm gonna ask the team to come up. We're just gonna take a minute to actually do one thing to preach it, even another thing to listen to it, it's another thing to do it, to meditate. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you. And so we're going to get to finish this morning with an opportunity just to treasure the Lord. So would you just invite the Lord here to be with you for this moment? We have like seven, eight minutes left. Lord, we invite you here right now to treasure your glory revealed through the sky above and the word below. 
we're here to remember that you made a covenant with us that we don't have to be alone. That we don't have to be sunk in fear and anxiety because our circumstances don't seem to be lining up well. That your word has promises that are rich and true. Would you just ask the Lord, Lord, would would you begin to turn my heart in a fresh way, in a new way, in a heightened way, in a hungry way, for more of you and your presence and your truth. For me to savor you in the skies above and in the word below. And Jesus, we actually just step back this morning to remember and recognize you are the word. You are the word. The words we treasure are actually the revelation of you. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. King Jesus, would you root out, shine, destroy, tear down all works of darkness? And would you open our eyes to seeing savoring and treasuring you and your glory. That's what we want. That's why we're here. We love you, Jesus. You are the word incarnate, word in the flesh. And we're here to celebrate you. So we ready our hearts to step back into this beautiful covenant that you created with your body that was broken and that your blood that was shed. We see you, word of God, who came to live the sinless life before us. We honor you. We prepare our heart now to be reinvigorated and reignited and stirred for the things of you. Our team's just going to sing over us and give us a moment, just a couple moments, to let our heart be cleaned by the Lord. So would you invite the Lord to do that now? And then as they sing over us, let's ask God for his work of transformation. And then in a moment, I'll invite you to come to receive the elements. Let's worship.